Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. The Monday after counseling therapy session, we're here for you. Wasn't a good weekend. The weather was phenomenal. Finally got a nice uh, weather weekend, beautiful weather weekend, but uh, the teams of the area did not perform. How about uh, the Longhorns come up short, had the lead with a minute 17 to go, left too much time and then couldn't hold it. We're talking about the autopsy of, uh, of a Longhorn loss in the 119th Red River rivalry. Do you want to thank all of uh, the folks who made it happen last week? Our trip up to uh, Terry Black's Barbecue in Dallas on Friday afternoon. Thank you to uh, Richard Strieber and the team at One Source Gas for for their support on that and our partnership. Also Terry Black and uh, the team there. Uh, friends at Inside Texas, Jerry Hamilton and uh, Bobby Burton and the crew. You Rod, who made that all happen. Uh, it was a fun week, but um, disappointing ending, obviously. Also, if you're of local flavor, the Austin FC are not going to the playoffs. They're making big changes. We'll tell you about that coming up. The uh, Aggies got beat. Texas State blew a late lead and lost. And I'm losing. That was redeeming. Uh, redeeming. Alabama keeps winning. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost except for Texas. Uh, I would also say that uh, Baylor, if you're up that way, they lost badly. Joey McGuire's team came to town and made it look easy. Yes, yeah, not Dave Miranda's team is spiraling. Struggling. How about my Rangers, though? Yeah, Rangers are the one bright spot. Astros split, so they're fine. They need two more wins and uh, three more wins. Yeah, two more wins that'll get to the playoffs. But yeah, Minnesota's going to be no pushover. And the Rangers, you know, Rangers are the streakiest team in baseball, have been all year. They get on these super hot streaks and they get on these super cold streaks. And fortunately for them, they're on a hot streak right now. That Because the last week of the season was bad and they cost themselves the division. Uh, Astros won the division, but here they are 4 0 and have outscored the, uh, the opposition 25 to 11 in four playoff games. Beat up the Orioles yesterday. Bullpen made it a little scary at the end, but uh, they get her done. They get her done. So, yes, the Rangers, the the, the bright spot mm. of the, the sports weekend. In the state of Texas? Yeah. Certainly in 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 central mm. Texas. Uh, for, you know, Texans couldn't hold a lead. Got beat at the buzzer. Uh, that that I was watching that Texas State game because it was on ESPNU. Texas State was up uh, double digits. They're about to go to 5-1, and one, and then two touchdowns in the last five minutes by the Raging Cajuns, and they lose 34-30. So, <laughs> Uh, disappointment all around, but uh, great month of October is here. We're going to hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up, his opening thoughts after the 34-30 to loss, and we'll dive continue the deep dive conversation about these horns. First, let's get you caught up one more time on the headlines of the morning. Top Gun, appreciate them as well. Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bringing it to you. We start with uh, Longhorns. They're down down to number nine, tumble from uh, three to nine. Six spots in the last in the latest AP Top 25 after their 34-30 to loss to OU. Uh, the five and one Longhorns now slotted behind eighth ranked Oregon and ahead of USC as they head into their bye week. Houston will be the opponent in two weeks. OU meanwhile rose seven spots to five. Georgia still number one, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. NFL safe to say Longhorns humbled in Dallas, but the Cowboys humiliated in their showdown game with the 49ers, 42 to 10. 
Kyle Shanahan's team dominated in every way, racked up over 420 total yards, held Dallas to under 200. Brock Purdy threw for 252 and four scores, three of them to the tight end. George Kittle, Dak Prescott threw three interceptions. Cowboys are 3-2 and two on the year, Niners 5-0. and oh. Joining the Eagles is the only two unbeaten. The Eagles beat the L.A. Rams yesterday afternoon. Tough loss for the Texans. Their rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, again, a interceptionless game. Put them in front 19-18 with a touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz with under two minutes to go. But Desmond Ritter and the Falcons had too much time. They went back down the field and won it with a game-winning field goal. Texans fall to 2-3. and three. They're a game back of both Jacksonville and Tennessee, who both won yesterday. Major League Baseball, as we mentioned, Rangers now 4-0 in the postseason. They beat the Board Orioles yesterday 11-8. Big Mitch Garver, grand slam difference there. Rangers uh, will now come back to Arlington with one win away from the ALCS. Astros, meanwhile, will head to Minnesota, nodded at one in their divisional series with the Twins. Uh, they lost to Minute Maid Park last night 6-2. Former Astro Carlos Correa. Three hits, three RBIs. The right-hander Pablo Lopez was dominant for seven shutout frames for Minnesota. One day after being eliminated from the MLS playoffs with a 4-2 lost LAFC at Q2 Stadium. Major news from Austin FC headquarters. Um, with a statement yesterday, the sporting director, Rodolfo Burrell, reaffirmed his faith in head coach Josh Wolf, but announced m- multiple changes through the team's scouting and personnel departments. He stressed that identifying global and national talent and, and new long-term vision for roster construction is paramount. He closed the statement by saying, I believe Josh and his staff deserve increased levels of support from our scouting network, and we intend to deliver that support immediately. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup, but nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Uh, once again, the, the red zone issues for Texas – yeah. Um, they're a serious. They're, they're they're a serious matter at this point. Um, I think that's you. You could, if you want to, throw it in there and say honestly, Texas inability to score in the red zone cost them the Texas Oklahoma game. You could, if you want to just simplify it and just say, you know what, honestly, if they just cashed in the red zone, they had a goal line opportunity, four tries, couldn't get in there, got a turnover on downs, um, and then the interception in the red zone too uh, was crucial, and so you came away with. Zero points two times you were there in the red zone. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could argue that's the game in the nutshell. Four-point game, yeah. And that's a bit – by the way, that's something that's been plaguing this team all season. Honestly, I think they're connected. I think the the, the opening script issues, Longhorn fans won't – they want that solved because the opening script hasn't been as sexy and hasn't been as prolific and productive – as Sark's first two years, the opening script was great, but this team is now uh, one of the top ten teams in second half scoring and fourth quarter scoring. Um, but I think the red zone issues and the opening script issues are related, and here's why. I think they're kind of post-Bijan and Rojo issues that didn't probably would have been issues earlier, but Bijan and Rojo cover that up. Right, the opening script. I always say, you know, Sark's opening script in the first two years they were Tarantino esque. I mean, they were amazing scripts. Everybody's like, oh, his opening scripts are amazing. It's one of the best opening scripts in the country. Yeah, but opening scripts are easy when you have A listers acting in your opening your script, right? Uh, when you got Denzel, when you got Tom Hanks, it's an easier script to write for those A list actors. I think when you had B. J. and Rojo, maybe it was easier in terms of defining who you are and your identity and your opening game plan. Your, your opening Script is usually about what's your identity, how you're trying to set the tone, who are you? And for Texas, sometimes I think they struggle about who they are, even though they have a lot of weapons. I think Sark struggles about who this team is and what they want to be um, in terms of the identity of it. And I also think in the red zone, that's when your identity also needs to 
show itself, right? If you're, you're a power team, you're a physical team, then that's then down there in the red zone, that's when you assert yourself. Um, Texas has a tough time, in my opinion, in the red zone and with the opening script because I think they are post Bijan and Rojo issues um, that we kind of took for granted when Sark, in Sark's first two years because those guys were so amazing. In the red zone, it was easy. Find a way to get the ball to Bijan and Rojo. Opening script, easy. Half of that damn script's going to Bijan and Rojo. Right. Well, in this game, you had two plays, right? You threw a pass to Xavier Worthy and went for a loss of two yards because, again, Jatavian Sanders missed a block on this, the little quick screen, and then the next pass was intercepted uh, by Will, by Gentry Williams on the next play. You said you were going to document uh, how that play came about, why you thought uh, yeah. Brett Venables and his team schemed it up, knew what was coming. Yep, I'll get into that. We'll get into that coming up behind yep. the burnt orange curtain. But you're right about that. The red zone was was brutal. And now, I will say when the, the goal line stand, because somebody said, was that schematic or was that, um, you know, issues? Was it scheme-wise or play calling? Look, I mean, you've got, what, 2,000 pounds of mass trying to push to get a yard with the with the running back right now who leads the nation in rushing um, <laughs> yeah. behind it. Uh, big you, humans. Big humans, right? I mean, you, you, you should be able to get a yard. I mean, Jonathan Brooks now 726 yards trails only Troy's running back, Kamani Vidal, for rushing yards. So you've got the, the yeah. second leading rusher in the nation. Well, he's top five in almost every category. Rushing Ross. So <laughs> you, I, I know you can, you know, because they, they went jumbo, and this is the first time we've seen Tavondre sweat in the game, along with Byron Murphy. So they went super jumbo, mm-hmm. uh, ran the same play twice essentially, and then did one to the to the perimeter, then came back with a fourth down pass. Yeah, it was it was it was it was arrogant, and I'm not mad about him being arrogant about it. You, your mantra is big humans. You recruit them, all right. You got the biggest offensive line in the Big Twelve. You have a big thing about Matthews Pancake Factory, so paying good money for him. Shout out to the BMDs. So this is your thing. The reason you go up there with that game plan, with Tavondre Sweat, with Byron Murphy, because you're telling everybody in the stadium and everybody watching, you know where we're going. You just can't stop all this mass and all this girth coming right at you. You ain't got a chance. And that's what it is. And they stopped you. They stopped you four times in a row in the goal line, and that's when you argue, well, aren't you a very creative, innovative mind? Couldn't you have found a way to more to scheme defenders out of the box rather than just say, you know what? We're going to play bully ball because no, that's who that we was, are. He was trying to make a statement. He was trying to make a statement. Start of the fourth quarter. Oklahoma made a statement. They and did. what they did was, since you were so predictable, because you ran behind the jumbos every time. You ran behind Sweat. You ran behind Murphy every time. They just came right off the butt of those guys as lead blockers. Why were the lead blocker went to the second level? Go watch OU defenders. They come right off his butt. You can tell they were coached on it. Let him go to the second level, and then we're coming right off his butt because that's what a ball carrier is going to be. Yep. And they did it. They did it three times in a row. It was brilliant. Yeah, was. And then, of course, the quick pass to Xavier Worthy. Which was not up, very creative. It was just. I didn't love that play. <laughs> I don't think anybody That was the did. one I didn't love. Uh, <laughs> the other three, I, I can give Oklahoma credit. But uh, they were trying to make a statement. And that's why I, how I started the show. I think. You don't deserve better, to win if better, you can't score on the goal line with four downs now, and, in and, a Texas and, and, and factually, that play Period. didn't cost you anything going the other way because Oklahoma missed a field goal, so it didn't cost you points. And you came back down and scored and then took the lead. But, yes, the goal line and the red zone offense. Because, I mean, the, 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 the interception by Quinn. Uh, the first time you got in the red zone, that one was equally um, problematic. Yeah. Uh, when when and because by the way, Billy Bowman number two played a great game. Played a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big hit forces the turnover. Quinn kind of forced it. A little bit of a high throw, and that's another part of the uh, the bad fortune for Texas. Your your all American tight end wasn't healthy. Gave you what he could, but it, you know certainly was not the explosive player we've seen all year long. That no. hurt along with the Jalen Catalan injury, the Jake Majors injury. These are all, but that's football. 
That's football. you got to coach around that. Longhorns had a chance to win this game and didn't. Let's hear from Sark. This is how he uh, started his press conference right after the game from the Cotton Ball. Opening thoughts. Okay, I think, uh, first of all, uh, hard-fought game. Uh, tip my cap to, to Oklahoma. That, that was a nice win for them, to, for them to battle back at the end the way that they did. Uh, I think I think one thing uh, I never question about our group and these guys here is their fight, their resiliency, um, they, and they they absolutely displayed that today when when we didn't play our best football today. Um, you know, we, we, we turned the ball over three times. Then we didn't we didn't create any turnovers. We had nine penalties, uh, which was was very uncharacteristic for us. Um, you know, one of three in the red area. Um, uh, and, and in the end, I think they had five sacks or something. And so, uh, and then, you know, our inability to, to corral the quarterback and, and his legs really hurt us there scrambling, especially in the second half. So um, that was not our best football. Uh, but in the end, not playing our best football, the, the connectivity that these guys have with one another, uh, their fight, their resiliency gave us an opportunity uh, to take the lead late. Uh, we just couldn't finish the game. So, um, the promising thing is I know we can play better than we played today, and we will, um, but we need to coach better. We need to play better than we did today, and um, we got we got to take it one game at a time moving forward now. So uh, proud of the guys, proud of the way they battled and competed, um, but uh, we need to play better football uh, if we want to be the team that I know we're capable of being. Right there, Sark. And uh, that's that's the frustrating part, right? I mean, you can give Oklahoma credit. They were the team that played more desperate football, I thought. Their game plan was tremendous. They had... The, the, the good fortune for them of not having a tough schedule so they could really sink their teeth into this game all offseason. Then even during the early part of this season, playing the likes of Cincinnati and uh, you know Arkansas State and the games they played. Uh, but the frustration for Texas, Rod, I, I have to believe, is just how good the team can be at times. But consistency within games remains a weakness. And Sark mentioned the... the um, you know, the, the uncharacteristic game they played. I mean, this hadn't been a turnover-prone team. They made three turnovers for four, if you count the goal line stand. They hadn't been a penalty-prone team. They had nine. They were big. Um, and they've talked all year about being playing complementary football, Rod, where one picks up the other. They didn't do that as a mm-hmm. team yesterday or Saturday. And all those things were – that was new for the season. This team had checked a lot of boxes in those categories for the first month into the, into the month of October. And that's why it's frustrating that, you know, on that day – Give Oklahoma credit for forcing some of the mistakes and playing a really good football game, and their quarterback was tremendous. But um, the Longhorns, their own worst enemy, uh, when it mattered most, and that's that's frustrating for Longhorn fans, and rightfully so. Yeah, um, I think Longhorn fans are going to have to uh, come. You know, it's it's okay to understand that your team made some mistakes, but these were not unforced errors. Uh, Oklahoma came into this matchup with the in, the national lead in interceptions. They got two of them. Uh, they were leading the Big Twelve in takeaways. They got three of them. That's what they do really well, and they forced Texas to basically play out of character. Um, and that's something that was very much in character for them. Uh, Texas was supposed to dominate the trenches because they got big humans, and that D-line had been so stout up until that point. Well, it turns out when you're playing a quarterback who can play at a competent level and who's comfortable within that system, that, that Texas defensive line was neutralized. And the Texas did not win the lines of scrimmage against Oklahoma. They did not dominate the lines of scrimmage. That's something we also thought would happen. We also thought Quinn Ewers would outplay Dylan Gabriel because Dylan Gabriel hadn't played in this game before. Hell, as a matter of fact, Texas had the experience advantage overall because they had more players who had played in the Texas OU game. Oklahoma had a lot of new players, 40-something new players on that roster. A lot of guys who didn't know what the Texas OU game was even about who played uh, crucial snaps in that game uh, and played critical roles in that game. 
and they found a way to beat Texas. So Texas, a lot of the things that we thought were going to be advantage of Texas, that they were a disciplined football team, they were not disciplined in that environment. That environment barred out the worst uh, part of Texas game. Now, they rallied, and they did battle through adversity. Love the way they responded in the second half in the fourth quarter. Um, but th- we're talking about championship-level football. Like, that's the difference in championship-level football. you got to find a way to win games like this because if you're going to win a championship, this is not the last time you're going to play a game like this. Yep. Uh, the turnover is critical. Your quarterback, i got to mention Quinn yours after the rough first and early start, he was tremendous. Uh, threw for 350 yards and really at one stretch was 24 of 25, which is why a lot of fans and you know observers thought maybe they should go for it on that, on that fourth and four. You know, your quarterback, Oklahoma's defense tired. Your quarterback mm-hmm. has been razor sharp since their early struggles. He's starting to see the field. You go for it on fourth and four instead of kicking the field goal. Sark said, no, 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 we got to get the lead here with 117 Take to go. Take the points. Take the points. Yeah, but take the points. as you said, there shouldn't have been a 117 on the clock at that point. No. If they had milked more clock, it could have been down under 40 some, seconds. Yeah, something like that. But I will say the, the slow start by Quinn and I, his – his draft, whenever he's drafted, you know, the draft highlight film, there'll be some throws from this game on there because he really was. I mean, some of his throws were, were fantastic. They were just NFL caliber throws, next level throws. But the slow start for Quinn, right? The two interceptions to start off, um, but then he found his groove. Give Sark some credit, by the way, for getting his quarterback back into a rhythm. You know, I, I played with Chris Sims as an NFL quarterback too, but there were times, sometimes his games were spiraled after a bad play early. All right, you don't want your quarterback to do that. You'd like them to find their groove and, you know, battle of adversity and figure it out. And he did that, but the slow start. Remember what I said all last week, that if you can show Quinn something on the field that he has not seen on film and Sark has not prepared him for, he will have a slow start. That's been the case so far this season. Sark even talked about it versus the, versus Rice in Wyoming. He didn't say that directly, but based on context clues, we hypothesize those are the two games that he said two teams gave us a look on the field that we didn't prepare for and we didn't see on film. I'm assuming those were the two games because those were the slow starts for Quinn. And the Alabama game, he had a fast start, but we know they prepped well for Alabama probably for months. This game, Xavier Worthy said in the postgame, so did Jonathan Brooks. They both said, yeah, they gave us a look on the field that we did not prepare for, we didn't see for on film. Boom. And by the way, we knew that was going to happen because he played the sound for y'all of Cole McCoy uh, saying last week, oh, yeah, Brent Venable, every time you play that guy, he's going to give you a different look than what you prepared for, something you didn't see on film. They did that. That's why Quinn started slow. So give Brent Venable some credit because he knew I got to give him something early on that he hasn't seen. If I do that, then Quinn will struggle early. But the maturity factor is he did find his way. That will – But then you also give credit to your own coach who got you back in it with some ballsy calls of his own, right? Fourth down goes and fake punts, and uh, it was a heck of a ball game. I'll say this. Another place where I will, you know, throw the criticism flag is, okay, after you didn't milk the clock enough, you kicked the field goal, you took the points, fine with it. When Oklahoma went 55 yards on their first three plays of that drive, Mm Mm-hmm. Which they did, and it mm-hmm. was almost too easy. Like Twenty some seconds it took. Yeah, like that. <laughs> and they went from the twenty-five yard line to their own twenty to Texas's twenty yeah. in three plays. Yeah. At that point, I think Sark should have called a timeout. I think he should have taken one of his timeouts and said, "Okay, guys, we've now given up the field goal. Essentially, we're going to we're going to mm-hmm. concede the field goal. Yeah. But we're not giving up overtime. Agreed. We're not giving up overtime. At that point, call timeout. All right, PK, let's let's rally the troops here. Let's change up. I understand maybe playing a little prevent defense and not nobody behind us from their 25. Now they're on our 20. Now we've got to defend 20 yards. They don't have a timeout. This is where I would like to see more, you know, PK, let's mm-hmm. get after it. Let's see if we can for, heat up this quarterback. Because, by the way, Rod, if you can get a sack, if you they don't have a timeout, 
all of a sudden you're forcing them to maybe kick a longer field goal, all the things. That's where I wish they had done it. Instead, they didn't. They let Oklahoma continue to go fast, and they got a pass interference call uh, on Terrence Brooks. Yeah. That led them down inside the five. Then they we know what happened, right? You got one stop on a Dylan Gabriel rush, uh, but then Nick Anderson, the freshman from Katy, snuck to the back of the corner of the end zone. Longhorns blew the coverage. And as you said, it was just, you know, you saw Derek Williams communicate it, but he did. it didn't get heard because he, it gave it Benda never looked it over. It wasn't confirmed by Benda. Yeah. So when you're so as a receiver yeah. goes in motion, Derek Williams is trying to hand off the receiver he's to, to bump, Benda. He's trying to bump the coverage over to the other side. Uh they call rolling the coverage. And yeah, usually you just you know, you let them know, hey man, I'm bumping the coverage. Now the coverage responsibility is yours on that side. That means you guys need to account for one and two on your side. Jaron Thompson accounted for his guy, but then you saw two wide open. It was a switch release. You saw two wide open well, because you saw Jared Benda. Thompson jumping up and down because he realized he's like you didn't you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get it. the call you didn't, hear him. you didn't get the call but that's why uh, and I, I got to go back and look at you know that's on everybody everybody got to be yelling that stuff when you see it Jared well, Thompson should have been like Benda has hey. got to look over yeah Benda was just staring in the back they're in Oklahoma's end zone you can't hear anything you can't hear but you can't you you, you, you can, can to find a way yeah, and yeah you need to go over there and pat him on the butt and be like hey dude. Hey, well, we that's got, where we're rock and rolling this thing. So once I get to the twenty yard line, I'm calling timeout. No, no, I agree with you. I think that let's go to game management. That's one of my my two biggest issues with Sark in this game. He was predictable at times. Coach Steven reared his ugly head and saw he was being predictable at times, especially on the goal line and early on in the game. And then yeah, game management and clock management. Mm. Frustrating. Yeah, very, very frustrating. And Dylan Gabriel played the game of his life, and they win that game. The goal is, we'll hear from Sark coming back. What about a rematch? Can you get yourself back to the game in Arlington? And um, you're going to need some help from Oklahoma, as a matter of fact. That's the irony of it, because now you need to uh, make sure I, uh, West Virginia goes down. Mm-hmm. Mountaineers are undefeated right now, but still plenty of football left. They need to, to win that game. But uh, Texas has to win out, get a little bit of luck with, uh, with, with West Virginia, get themselves back in that game. We'll talk about it with you, obviously, all morning long, all week long into the bye week. Coming back, Rod will take us more behind that burnt orange curtain. Also some off the record before the end of the hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. The good, the bad, and the ugly on a Monday. Plenty of good around college football. Well, kind of bad, too. A lot of bad. A lot of bad endings for the Longhorns, the Cowboys, Texans, Texas State. But, hey, listen, at least you have the ice-cold Bud Lights to help you uh, get through it. That Texas OU game brought to you by Bud Light. Thanks to all the Bud Light fun this weekend out at the, uh, the our, our watch party rod at the Fieldhouse at the Crossover. Also up at Terry Black's Barbecue in Dallas on Friday with our friends at One Source oh, yeah. Gas and uh, Bud Light. Uh, appreciate Bud Light for all of your occasions, which is phenomenal. And uh, Longhorns now looking to regroup and uh, get themselves maybe back to a rematch with Oklahoma. Rod, the Longhorns' opponents that they've already played. Obviously, OU's undefeated. Alabama's a one-loss team. That one loss was to Texas. Kansas, a one-loss team. Their one loss was to Texas. Wyoming's a one-loss team. One loss to Texas. Uh, Rice is a three-and-two team. The point of that is the Longhorns are through the toughest part of their schedule. The remainder of their schedule is a combined 18 and 15. Oh, yeah. Look good, man. It's a good resume. Now, they, they will also need why. They will also need uh, a little, uh, little help because West Virginia is 2-0. and Let's not yeah. sleep on West Virginia. And the Longhorns, They're unfortunately, don't play team. West Virginia, so they can't control their destiny in that regard. They don't see West Virginia. 
technically Oklahoma State, who's a one and one team, Longhorns don't play them either. I mean, you know, if the Longhorns handle their business the rest of the way, they'll be a one loss big ball team. I expect them to. Man, they put it on K State. I couldn't. I didn't expect that. I yeah. didn't, who they on beat? a Friday night. Was that yeah? It was K State. That was right? at Stillwater. Yeah. Will Howard threw three picks. Yeah, they were underdog in that game too. Yeah. So I don't I, think Oklahoma State has the, the staying no. power here at uh, three and two overall. I don't think so. They've. You know, got a point differential of a point. But I'm going with you. I'm glad we don't have to play Gundy. I'm happy I don't have to play Gundy's a hell of a coach. We all know or it. Or West Virginia, right? Yeah. I mean, BYU's the best team left at four <laughs> one. Everybody else is three and three. Uh, Bay, you know, Texas what two and three for Houston, who they'll play next week. Houston had their bye week this week. They're going to play. See, that's big though. Yeah, because I wonder they got to play what West Virginia you said this week. Yep, West Virginia. That's going to be big for them. Um, coming off of their bye, that's Dana Holgerson against his former team, right? Um, that game will be in Houston, and the Longhorns will go to Houston the following week. So that's where it stands, Longhorns. And let's hear from Sark before we go behind the burn orange curtain rod. Sark talking about someone who's asked him at the Cotton Bowl press conference, what about uh, a rematch with that Oklahoma team? Is that something that can be a carrot now? Well, I, I expect us to get back on the horse. Uh, we, got a, we got a locker room full of competitors. Uh, this is a tight-knit group. Um, I'm, I'm super proud of them for what they bring every single day. I'm proud of them today. Um, and so we'll, we'll go one game at a time. Uh, I, I think this locker room is, is full of champions, and our goal is to go win a championship this year. So we got to go handle our business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There you go. He's right about that, though. I mean, that's, everything's still in front of the Longhorns. It does feel like, because it's such a big game, and it feels like a championship game. It's in the regular season, but it feels like it was a championship game or like a postseason game because of the magnitude of it, the pageantry all around it, the, the, the neutral site, fans split down the middle, and just of how much pump and circumstance and hype that's around the game and the emotional high that you're on, the emotional charge that's surrounding the game, and the prep you put in. Say what you want about this. You know, coaches ain't put in just a week of prep. The Oklahoma guys put in a ton of prep in the offseason for this game. This is the, They prep for this game the way Texas prepped for Bama. And I guarantee you, Sark in the offseason was prepping for Oklahoma. When, when Mack would recruit us, he'd say, guys, we got to beat, beat Oklahoma and got to beat Daniel. We got to do it. And when Mack had time in a bye week before Oklahoma, at any time, that was dedicated to Oklahoma or dedicated to whatever rival you were going to play next after that bye week. So with all of that, it just feels like, like I said, a postseason game, and there's an emotional letdown that when you lose, it feels like the season's almost over at times. And a big part of the leadership on this team is going to be picking this team back up and answering the call, getting back to work, and getting better week to week. That was the goal. So, trust me, I got lost in this game more than I should have. Uh, it does feel like that, but we had great leadership, and we always bounced back really well. We went on, like, winning streaks, six, five, six-game winning yeah, streaks. I covered those teams. Yeah, every time we lose Oklahoma, we'd go on a winning streak because we had really good leadership, and I think this team's got good leadership, too. So, we'll see. Yeah, a lot of questions. Um, we're going behind the burn orange curtain. A lot of people talking about the fourth and four call. Actually, several people asked about the third down call when it was third and ten. And they ran the ball. Look, I'll on the explain. last drive? Yeah, on the last yeah, drive Texas yeah. had. 
Look, the, the, the sack on first down was critical. And if you watch that game, you know that the Longhorn center, Connor Robertson, was struggling. Mm-hmm. He did not have – I mean, he was you know, he's a third-string center and playing in his first big game, and they were taking advantage of that. And he is, his guy had given up the sack um, on the, the first down play, which sets you back. If that sack doesn't happen, the Longhorns hit a play there, I do think they're going in to score. Uh, but, you know, the sack happened. And mm-hmm. so now you're trying to coach around the sack, yep. which is, okay, well, now we're, we're into over 50 yards for our field goal here. We're to, we're to third down. It's third and 10, yes. But if we take another sack, now we're out of field goal range, Rod. Exactly. So we ran the ball and got six yards, and then it's fourth and four. Should he have gone for it there? I don't know. Sark said, I'm going to take a lead with 117 to go. I agree with the call to take the points. I, I agree. do. I, I agree. I think now before that, there, you know, you can argue about, you know, whether they should have run the ball in certain, on certain downs rather than throwing the ball. I would argue my big issue with Sark is prior to that sack. Um, and prior to him making the you know the decision to go for the field goal and get in field goal range, I think they should have been able to milk just a little bit more time off the clock. I'm not saying milk it all the way down, um, but I think you could have taken, I was at 77 seconds you had left for Dylan Gabriel. I think you could have taken that down to about 35 seconds or During so. During that drive. During that drive. I think like 35. You probably could even got it down to the 20s, depending on if you would have ran the ball successfully. But like I said, when you, after Xavier Worthy gets that, uh, that, Second and ten reception, it gets him a first down. I think it was like a, a eleven or twelve yard reception. Here is the amount of seconds left on the play on the play clock when Texas snapped the ball on the next six downs. Twenty eight seconds, twenty eight seconds, twenty seven seconds, twenty three seconds, twenty four seconds, thirty four seconds. Like I said, I'm not saying take it all the way down to five seconds or zero seconds, but there is an argument that you can take a twenty eight second uh, snap down to twenty three. Well, there were and, there were a couple you know, of those you mentioned to twenty, and, it, and then then if you add those up, e. Then instead of 77 seconds, he's got 30 seconds, 34 seconds. Well, that makes a huge difference. Some of those times were when the clock was stopped, right? Because mm-hmm. Oklahoma took a timeout. Texas took their own timeout. No, no, time no that was only one, one time. One time. It's only one time. No, no, you're wrong about that. Uh, the only time they called the timeout was that was after that. That was after that sack, and that was after that. So under, other, every other time, the clock was running. Yep. The clock was running with the play clock. How much time did they have when they got the ball back? Who? Texas on that final drive. About four minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah. Which you, every every team has a four minute offense. Yeah. Which is basically meant to milk the clock, so the team does the opposing team doesn't get the ball back. They were in their four minute offense, and I believe that's what. And you heard Sark say that was the goal. Sack knocked them back. Then they just had to worry about getting back into field goal range. <laughs> you think and the, not the, taking the, another sack? Definitely, the initial plan was to score a touchdown. There, oh yeah, yes. well, you heard Sark say. It. I mean, that was the goal, and that was where <laughs> they're trying to go. And you know, one play doesn't stop a drive, but that that sack was critical because it knocked you back four yards, and now you're thinking about field goal range clock. First down, you're going to run out of downs if you don't get it, and you need to be in field goal range when you get there. Let's go behind the burnt orange curtain. More deep dive thought, Texas and OU. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Uh, Okay, let's talk about predictability uh, for Sark, the opening drive, the opening script for him. The first two plays, basically. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma made great plays because they got a tackle for a loss, and then they got the interception. The first play of the game, 12 personnel, they go stack twins to the opposite side. Guys, it was the exact same play they scored on in 2021. Mm-hmm. First play of the game. 
The exact same formation, personnel grouping, exact same play. And that's when Xavier took it to the house. And Xavier took it out. They, they, I don't know if it was she was trying to insult them. I don't know if it was Sark trying to, you know, maybe him trying to make a statement that, you know, I, I don't give. I, hey, we gonna we gonna make we gonna make some yards on the exact same play we started twenty twenty one in, but it was the exact same play in personnel grouping. Um, maybe they didn't have a shift in there that they had in twenty twenty one, but it was close to the same play. Um, yeah, that I, I don't. I'm sure that Brent Venables went back and watched the 2021 game. Hell, Bob Stoops been around there forever, so you know Bob Stoops is helping Brent Venables out a little bit. Like, hey man, keep up. He's a, who's, a, who's also another great defensive mind. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. That's the shocking. That's the predictability I'm talking about. It's like, man, you pulled out a play from 2021 because it worked. That's great, but they also have seen that on film before. It's out there. It's established what you do out of that formation, that personal group, and with that alignment of the receivers. I don't know. That, to me, is a little weird. Um, then you got the, the second play, and that should have been familiar to you, too. It was the, it was the very first play they started out the Bama game in. Wow. <laughs> it was the very first play. Remember, it was, they, went em- they went empty personnel or an empty formation out of 12 personnel. In the Bama game, we started out. They took the uh, two tight ends and a running back, went trips to that side to the, I believe it was to the, in the Bama game, I believe it was to the boundary side, the trips was. And it was two tights and the running back to that side. And on the field side, they had the, the wide receivers, and they were twins to the field side. And they ran double slant in the Bama game, and they ran a running back screen to the trip side. Same exact play. Except they, instead of throwing it to the running back screen, which they did in the uh, Bama game, they threw it to the trip side. They just threw it to the wide receiver side. Same play, though. Same route combination. And Quinn, usually, he doesn't even read that play. He just turns. It's a one. It's kind of a half-field read. So the defense, go look at Oklahoma's defense. As soon as Texas motions to empty, they all start doing the same hand signal. They all start doing it. They all do the same hand signal and go, we check, we know it. Go watch the DB on the play side where the double slant is. The cornerback doesn't move. His feet don't move. He's guarding A.D. Mitchell, who one of the most prolific wide receivers in the country could run right by him. He's not worried about him running right by him. The coaches have already told him he's not going to run right by you. He's running a double slant. Jump on it. Break on it. It's going to be right there. Hell, he broke on it so early that Quinn saw him. Quinn Quinn saw him. Quinn, you can tell Quinn. This is why I talk about predetermined throws with Quinn, too. You can tell Sark told him, throw it. Throw it. So instead of being a football player, he's being a robot and said, all right, so I said, throw it, I'm throwing it. Even though he saw the defender there, he saw the, the linebacker, off-ball linebacker break underneath, he saw the safety break deep over the top, and he saw the cornerback jumping, and he still threw it. That's the, that's the, the immaturity in his game. He should have just held that ball and been like, I'll take the sack. Oh, I'll throw it away. Yeah, we'll live to fight another day. But he threw it because in the script, they've been practicing that play all week, and Sark told him on predetermined throws, throw it. It's going to be wide open. We got it. And it wasn't. Nope. Why? Because they were well prepared for it. Why? They've seen it. They watched film. They watched more than me. Hell, the Bama game. You think they watched the Bama game? <laughs> you came up in that same personnel group with that formation and then ran the same exact play? I'm not saying you can't run plays, but you got to present them differently. And it'd be nice to come up with a new play design. Those two plays, guys, were on film. All you had to do was watch Sark. And by the way, they've watched all Sark's games since he's been at Texas. And then, really, all you had to do was really, you know, uh, document those. And re- and like I do, find the trends and find the patterns. And you really could have found they don't run a lot of different uh, plays out of empty formation, out of 12 personnel. And it led you right to that play. 
And then you go look at the times they stack wide receivers opposite of an offset wing and 12 personnel. It probably would have taken you to three, four plays. And one of them would have been the one that they scored on in the Texas OU game in 2021. So my point being, guys, they have guys doing what I do, except they're better at it and they get paid a lot more money to do it. And they got more time to do it. I got a daughter now. All right? And they sit in the film room all day and they just watch films. They come up with Patterson Trent And Sark, that was not his most creative, innovative start and start an opening script to a game. It just, it was, like I said, it, it, it's something that he's just recycled. It was leftovers. I, he's supposed to be a, a, a brilliant play designer. We know he is. I'm going to need him to get more in his bag because that was very predictable. And uh, on film, on film. It's and on film. So, yeah, I mean, as you're pointing out uh, accurately, it's a, a kind of an arrogant game plan. I mean, even in the goal line, we're going to we're gonna match this thing right at you with yeah. the same play three times. Uh, oh, oh, this is where Oklahoma was well prepared. And, again, it's not wrong to say Brett Venables and his staff outcoached Sark and his, without a doubt, because Sark had the better team, uh, the better players, in my opinion. I think roster to roster, player for player, and the Longhorns showed that by getting back and actually taking the lead. Uh, but as we said all morning, Longhorns have had more turnovers in this game than they have all year, more penalties, more penalty yards, more yards after catch. They didn't tackle very well. Uh, Oklahoma was superior in all of those phases. And as Rod's pointing out, the uh, first couple of plays were probably predictable. And one ended up in a pick. Um, mm-hmm. So good, bad, and ugly. There was good good points for Sark. I thought his fake punt, I thought his going for it on fourth down and that drive in the first half was big time. Uh, obviously questionable there, questionable in the red zone, and questionable at the end of game. And we're talking about it with you. That's how we, uh, you know, cut through the autopsy of a loss, a 34-30. to Doesn't knock the Longhorns out of where they want to go and what they want to do. Certainly does, uh, you know, make for a rough Monday and a rough bye week to stew on that loss for the next 12 days. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it's a little off the record. Some stories out there that maybe you've missed but you need to know coming off the busy weekend. It's Hook em Up with Ian Rodby. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, they ain't cold. Congratulations, continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! F***ing thing sucks! Oh, off the record, off the record, Rod. What a weekend. Oh, My yeah. My off the records are actually sports-related, including uh, the news from the Austin FC. How about this? We, we get a lot of texts all the time. Mm-hmm. Hashtag fire Josh Wolf or Wolf's got to go, whatever. Wolf out. Wolf out. Well, Josh Wolf is not going to be out. Uh, he is going to be staying with your Austin FC Verde. There you go. Um, Rodolfo Varel, who came in as the sporting director, announced in July, came from, of course, International soccer, Barcelona, where he had been. Uh, he's not blaming Josh Wolf. He's blaming the roster. He doesn't think the roster is talented enough. He said that when he got here. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, he said that last year was a fluke. Rodolfo Burrell says Josh is a very good young head coach, and although the results this year are disappointing, we were fortunate to have a coach with his level of commitment. And he went on to say that they're, they fired this director of player personnel, their scouting managers out, and they're mm. going to, they've already added five new scouts to their global scouting team. And he believes they've got to do a better job of scouting, evaluating talent, and adding talent to the roster. It's not about the coach. It's about players. Yeah, I agree with him. And he's a harsh critic because he was very uh, critical of the roster when he first got here. Like, no, you guys, last last season was a fluke is basically what he, he said. He said you got lucky. Basically, yeah. He said. Do you think it's comparable to the NFL? Do you think it's like the Minnesota Vikings last year? Yeah. that's. If like I knew cool. more about soccer, I'm, I 
No, that's a good you, one. Because yeah. I think Minnesota's not one in four in one possession game so far. Remember last year they were eleven and zero. <laughs> it's like that's no, you can't continue that. That's going to regress to the. Yeah, they played hard against the Chiefs this weekend, though. They did. Uh, they did. But they've been in every game. It's not like they've been blown out of any games. They just you don't win those games. You don't win all those games like they did last year, though. And the turnovers. Now, by the way, uh, Patrick Mahomes now beaten every NFL team except for the Chiefs because he plays for the Chiefs. Now, one day he'll have a chance to beat them. Maybe. <laughs> one of these days, we'll see that Chiefs would rather not not happen. That's true. Never play against Patrick Mahomes, but he's beaten every team now. Can I give team. you a, a? This is crazy. It turns with off the record. Yes. So two Oklahoma players got horns down tattoos oh after beating Texas. I'm not making it up. It's real. Danny Stutzman, the stud linebacker, who is a stud. He's a beast. Um, he they all they both posted like photos. Oh no! Of them, and so maybe they're fake tattoos, but they posted photos. It's all right. Both with tattoos on their thigh of the Longhorn symbol turned upside down, as we know. Yes, when they sit on the toilet and look at their own thigh, the Longhorn will be staring right back at them. They got it right down, that's where they up. got it too, like the Texas Tech. They guy. got it on the thigh. Oh, it's a thing, E. It's terrible. It's a thing. So it's, it's like gonna, the only time you ever look at your thighs too, probably is when you're. No, oh, you're, yeah. you're putting your pants on. Point. You do. I know, I know, but you yourself you're staring you, at them you, when you're you going have to the bathroom see it every day. Yeah, <laughs> like staring at the thighs. Yeah, like imagine losing to Texas and then you just go in the bathroom. And say, oh, well. <laughs> Hook him. I just don't. Okay, if you want, if you want to go to the extent of getting inked with a with an upside down hook, him. Okay, get again. Put it on your bicep. Put it on your back somewhere. When because right, if it's on your leg like that, it's upside down. When you look at it, when you look down at it, it just doesn't make any sense. Who was it? The Texas Tech player did it, that. It was a no. I think was that fan or a player. Might have been a student. I think it was a student. This is different. Taking to this different level because this is our players well, who did it. Leave it to the Sooners to copy something that dumb. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I'm in with my you. Opinion. So long as you can't support this, I'm sure you hate the long ones. You can't support your players. I mean, that's kid. funny. It's funny. I mean, it's it's so stupid. It's funny. Yeah. It is stupid. I agree. It's so idiotic that it's like, come on, man. This is imbecilic. You guys understand that the horn is right side up when you. Okay. Anyway, I don't know if you want to keep explaining that or over and over again. You're but. just. I mean, you're you're. I don't and, know. And you're I, don't, the, I don't know. Well, and you're giving the Longhorns. I guess it's free media. Exactly. Anytime somebody does a, the horns down, everybody around the country knows exactly what that means, and they know who you're referring to, whether you're playing the Longhorns or not. So it's just free publicity for Texas. I'm like, you just want to give Texas free publicity for life? I've noticed that for a life? lot. A lot in the SEC this year, just SEC games, horns down everywhere. Oh yeah. For no, what is that? It's college football's version of the middle finger. It's just take that. It's just like, it's basically, horns down is like an F you symbol. It's like, F you, F the establishment. F, you know what I mean? It's kind of that. And Texas is considered like the, the establishment, the man. F you, Texas. I like, which I like, actually. I said, free, free publicity. I'll take it. Take it. Take it. Take that free publicity. Can I mention, uh, this is off the record, because I did watch a football game yesterday that was, was comical. Did you see how the Baltimore Ravens lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers? This I was, saw that. If there could ever been a choke, this was the choke. This was unbelievable. Uh, Ravens were playing in Baltimore. They have a chance to sweep the AFC North on the road, right? They have a chance. They've already beaten Cincinnati. They beat Cleveland in Cleveland. They got a chance to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and take a stranglehold on the division because everybody's got to come back and play them in Baltimore. And they're up 10 nothing. They're in control of this game. Pittsburgh's anemic offense is, again, anemic. It's terrible. Um, at least that. three dropped touchdown passes for Lamar Jackson. Mm. Mark Andrews dropped one. Um, wow. Rashad Bateman dropped a touchdown in his hands in the end zone. That's crazy. And then the worst of the worst, as he broke free on a second down play, Nelson Aguilar. Remember? Oh, him again? Yeah, dropping babies. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, the former Eagle and Raider. I mean, it was it couldn't have been any better. He was going to 
catch it and run into the end zone for for a really a clinching touchdown. He dropped it. Oh man! And in the end, a blocked punt. The Steelers blocked a punt and got a safety. Then they, I mean, it was. And then George Pickens. They hit one offensive play. George Pickens for a touchdown. And that was the difference. Oh, Unbelievable. That was and okay, so uh, to add to that point, because uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought this game up. So there's video now. Remember we said that was that was actually a, a theory out there, conspiracy theory that Matt Canada had a burner account and he would go on Twitter <laughs> to like defend himself, defend Matt Canada because people uh, on Twitter, at least Steelers fans, they hate Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. Matter of fact, E, you played the Snoop sound. Of Snoop Dogg even getting on Matt Canada and telling Mike Tomlin you need a new OC. But anyway, so there's there's footage in the in the booth, like footage uh, basically in the play calling booth of Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers coaches when Kenny Pickett throws that game winning touchdown pass. It's so weird. He doesn't celebrate. It's I saw a that. weird. You see that? Yes. It was so. And I, I'm not saying that this means that he's something, some shady or whatever. But it's so weird. Everybody in the everybody in the box jumps up, yelling, screaming, and he just sits there calmly. And it's like, why aren't you excited? And here's the theory now, E, is that it was a check. It was an audible. It wasn't. It wasn't a Matt Canada call. It was an audible, and he's like, "Damn it, the audible to another play," and that's why it worked. And now Steelers fans got to get on me more. Like, hey man, the only play that worked are the plays that are being changed because your plays suck. Yeah. So just so you know, that's what's going on. I think he would have been fired if they lose that game yesterday. It was a very good. Chance. Is that probably why he was so nervous? They didn't. They didn't do anything until that last drive. You're right. It was terrible. It was man. a terrible game. Well, terrible and somebody game. said, "Is that what was that loss worse than the U?" No, Miami's loss was worse, but Baltimore is professionals. I mean, you're getting paid to catch balls. I mean, catch the ball. Catch the ball, the ball was in your dude. hand. Rashad Bateman touchdown. Uh, Nelson Aguilar dropping touchdowns. Uh, poor Lamar Jackson. Can I give you a random better. stat about that that Steelers Ravens rivalry though? Yes. The underdog in the Steelers Ravens rivalry, uh, they have twelve straight covers for the dog in that rivalry. Sixteen one and one against the spread for the dog in the Steelers Ravens rivalry since twenty fifteen. Isn't that nuts? Yes. The dog always covers in that rivalry. And they bed. shouldn't have in that game. It was unbelievable. And they shouldn't. Exactly. How does that even happen? Oh, another crazy stat. Lamar Jackson, that was only his fourth career regular season game against the Steelers. Think about that. He's in his sixth season. It's only his fourth career game. He's managed to avoid the Steelers for years. I don't even know how the hell that happened. But in his sixth season, only his fourth game against the Steelers. Weird. That's wild. Yeah. In his division. I think I saw a stat while that game was on <laughs> that, like, in the Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh era, and they played a lot. Like, at some point in that game, the game, the, the total points per team over the course of their rivalry was dead even. Oh, I could believe it. Dead even. I could believe that. Like, each team yeah, yeah. scored under that head coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unreal how close that is. But, yeah. uh, come on, Baltimore. Catch the ball. Get it together. We'll come back. We'll continue the... Uh, off the record stuff, also the on the record conversations. Texas and OU Cowboys get humiliated. Texans lose at the gun. Pretty disappointing Monday for a lot of football fans and sports fans in this area. Not the Texas Rangers, though. Ranger fans are a win away, and Rangers are a win away from the ALCS. We'll talk about it all, all the way to 11 o'clock here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby.